a business to exit, people often have a vague idea that they will grow their business and sell it one day, or perhaps they start out with a specific plan to exit within five or six years. This is rarely thought through in detail as there is a dearth of information in startup books about what the end of the business might actually realistically look like. Hello and welcome to Brandtuned, the show for entrepreneurs where we discuss personal and business brands to give you ideas and inspiration to stand out, win business, and be heard in a noisy world. I'm Shireen Smith, lawyer, author, and curious business owner, keen to uncover what moves the needle in branding. Topics I explore include how the brand impacts your success once it's been designed. Design means how things work, not just how they look. So how does the brand help you to reach success so you have more time, more money and less stress? What role does intellectual property and brand protection play in that success? And what's involved to monetize your brand using franchising or licensing? Subscribe to the podcast and find out more. Begin with the end in mind. Building a business to exit. People often have a vague idea that they will grow their business and sell it one day, or perhaps they start out with a specific plan to exit within five or six years. This is rarely thought through in detail, as there is a dearth of information in startup books about what the end of the business might actually realistically look like. You see, exit is generally an end that isn't well understood, so it can be hard to plan with the end in mind. In this piece, I want to consider what's involved to sell a business or to build a business to sell. Because if your ambition is to build a business to sell, books like Shoe Dog, which is written by the founder of Nike, gives a good idea of what the journey might involve. Imagine yourself running such a business with all the uncertainties that this might actually entail financially and emotionally. Does that appeal to you? Another book that details the struggles that a household name business went through to emerge victorious the other end is Dyson. Realise that for every success, there will be many businesses that don't make it to the other side. Many founders are likely to want to one day sell their business. So the first question is, why you hope to one day sell the business? Is it that you want to get a lump sum payoff to reward you for the long years you will put into creating the business? EBITDA is the traditional method of valuing a business used by accountants, namely earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortisation. 
there are relatively easy ways to value certain parts of a business, such as stock, fixed assets, such as land, machinery, equipment, etc. There will very probably be a sizable, intangible element to the value of a business. Intangible elements would include goodwill. This could encompass trademarks and the reputation of the company, i.e. the brand. Such assets are notoriously difficult to value and in many cases will come down to how keen a potential buyer is to acquire the business in question. If there is a strategic fit, a buyer might pay a significant premium to acquire a business. Therefore, in practice, exiting a business comes down to focusing on increasing revenues so that you have recurring income, preferably on contract. Other value drivers include IP, technology, media, you know, such as to produce predictable and high margin revenues. It's also necessary to have scale, such as a minimum of 5 million or more in revenue. In the book, Agglomeration by Jeremy Harbour and Callum Lang, there's a vision for small businesses to be able to exit. However, even that strategy relies on having at least 500,000 of a bitda, a number most businesses don't have as a top-line revenue, let alone a bottom-line profit. In some cases, the yardstick by which a business is valued is not a bitda, but something else. That's because there's no single formula to valuing a company on exit that can be used precisely to value every private business. The seller will want to drive the price up and potential buyers will want to do the opposite. Stephen Robertson gave some useful insights on this topic in episode 18 of the Brand Tuned podcast. Now, in my blog, how you can increase the value of your business without increasing turnover, I discussed Instagram and WhatsApp as examples of companies which were acquired for a sum well beyond their market value. These examples demonstrate that synergies within businesses can result in a valuation which is far higher than the company turnover or traditional methods of valuation might suggest. There's an element of the qualitative rather than the quantitative when assessing a company's sale prospects. And if there is a competitive bid, as in the WhatsApp scenario, this tends to push the valuation even higher. Maybe you're a local business serving a loyal customer base or you're not in the technology space but rather selling goods and services. Whilst the examples I've alluded to of a strong valuation not based on turnover involve technology companies, most companies now interface with technology at some point. 
we're living at a time when any company, even your small business, could learn from these examples and be savvy about how to increase its value. At the very least, you will have a website to promote your business and all businesses increasingly have an online dimension. So many businesses become successful by offering an effective way of enabling consumers to buy from them online. In the blog post I referenced just now, I mentioned how Victoria Plum made bathrooms available to order on the web and in less than 15 years built up a business worth millions of pounds. I also cited Skyscanner as an example of a website that has become successful. Now, as the web and technology become more important in our lives, it means intellectual property is inevitably critical to businesses that are aiming to succeed in some way using technology. Opening your eyes to what's involved to sell a business and what type of business to build to be able to achieve a sale that gives you enough money to retire on is important if that's your dream. What you don't want to do is to chase an unrealistic dream just because it's the holy grail of entrepreneurship that's dangled in front of new businesses. In many ways, it's the big lie in business that you create a business you're going to potentially exit for a big payout. That simply isn't true for the vast majority of service-based non-tech businesses. Indeed, for a law firm, you don't get a big payoff, as is clear from Lynn Burden's book, Lynn's Laws of Leadership, published by Practical Inspiration. If you're thinking big, take some time or advice to understand whether you're being realistic and what's involved to sell the type of business you're building so that if a time comes when you get tired or ill or your priorities change and you do want to exit, you know what to expect. According to Daniel Priestley, some small businesses reach a stage where they need to sell their business and find few takers. It could be that the spouse of the owner wants to hold the owner of their, to their stated agreement of retiring. Or it's possible that the business isn't fun anymore. The owner may be bored, tired of it, is sick of the industry, etc. The business may need some work, but the owner just doesn't have fresh energy for it. They've paid off their house and have other assets maybe that produce more than enough income to live happily. The business simply isn't adding anything to their life, but it's taking precious time or location freedom. Daniel Priestley believes that one problem business owners have is that they don't believe their business would operate without them. They go in every day or the owner is energetically tied into the business and even when they aren't physically there, they can't fully switch off. When such an owner comes to sell the business, 
even though the business is healthy and profitable, there isn't an available buyer to take it off their hands. Many end up looking for ways to literally give their business away. That's one scenario where a business looks to exit. It's remarkably common for many businesses to find they can't sell their business when they want to sell it. If by the time you're ready to sell your business, you find that there happens to be someone interested to buy it from you for the right price, then you're very lucky and will be able to sell your business without difficulty, assuming you've got your affairs in order so that it will pass the due diligence stage without difficulty. Now, due diligence is an exercise involving lawyers who will pore over your legal agreements, review your contracts and look into the intellectual property and other aspects of your business. However, in practice, selling a business usually involves preparing for a sale at least two years in advance. It's about identifying potential buyers creating competition between them, making the business the best it can be in terms of its EBITDA and being ready for the sale so that nothing holds you up when a buyer for the business is available. The reality is that the big payoff the owner assumed would be around the corner when they're ready to sell their business just doesn't exist. The end for many businesses may not involve selling the business as a going concern. When the owner wants to stop working, be that due to ill health or because they want to retire or indeed if the business owner dies, leaving the business behind, the end will probably involve winding up the business and selling off its assets. These assets might comprise machinery, website, domain names, customer lists and any other intangible assets. If you decide that you want to work till you drop, then perhaps your exit planning should involve identifying a few competitors that your executors could approach when the time comes. It's likely they would be interested in buying your customer list at the very least. In conclusion, most entrepreneurs go into business because they want more time, more freedom and more money. Certainly more freedom and control over their lives is a key driver for many founders. So if you're not in business to achieve an exit, it's worth knowing this at the outset so that you can build the right type of business to match your ultimate aspiration. In my experience, people turn to design far too soon when they want to make any changes in their business. So if you're rethinking or reinventing your business at all, you may be interested in attending a no-charge webinar that I'm running on the 5th of August. There will be breakout rooms to facilitate discussion with other attendees and also some useful guidance to help you set your brand strategy. If you want to come along, just go to brandtune.com and right there you can sign up for the webinar. 
Not only will this give you access to the upcoming webinar, but you'll also get access to the previous sessions on IP and identifying an ideal client. And I would love to connect and hear from listeners. So if you have any follow-up questions on the content from this week, you know, from Jeremy Miller's session, or indeed from previous episodes, you can just send me a voice message giving your name and question. And who knows, I may select your voice message to respond to next time. Just send your email to info at asrights.com. That's asrights, A-Z-R-I-G-H-T-S.com. It'll be in the show notes. Asrights is the name of the company that owns Brandtuned, and it's a product also, Brandtuned, that belongs to Asrights. In the next episode of the podcast, I'll be interviewing Levant Yildisgren about the successful brand he's created in the translation space and his unique perspective on cultural differences. So listen up then. Bye.